hour on the morning after on Sports Grid. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Not really such a happy hour today. Kind of sad. It just made me feel so nostalgic getting into the last hour of the show, my final show. I know Ben's going to do awesome mm. stuff going forward. Yet we've got picks to give out. And all I really want to do today is give out winners for my final show here on the grid. Let's start with our West Coast wake up. Our West Coast wake up, we're going to show you the odds for tonight's games between the Dodgers and the Padres and the Giants and the Diamondbacks. We're going to go through Major League Baseball picks also from here on the East Coast. A lot going on later on in this uh, next segment. Yet first, let's look here. Because if you parlay these two money lines between the Padres and Dodgers, who just cannot seem to lose a game, the Dodgers on a three-game winning streak, the Giants on a five-game winning streak, parlaying their money lines together would be Dodgers minus 215, Giants minus 205, you get a plus 117. Ben, for whatever reason, I just feel like parlaying these two together for the rest of the week, and I said this yesterday, is probably the best thing to do because I imagine that both these teams will win more than they lose. And both of these teams, Ariel, still very hungry. Just because the Giants are the top team with the best record in baseball and might be the number one seed in the NL playoffs does not mean they are going to rest easy because the Dodgers are hot on their tails. They don't want to be in the wild card game. A two-game lead for the Giants in the NL West right now. On FanDuel, the Giants minus 800, but they don't feel like such strong favorites right now because the Dodgers are playing really good baseball and will not go away. It's what we've seen pretty much for the last two and a half months of this season. The Dodgers win, the Giants win. The Dodgers can't make up any ground because the Giants win. That's why the Giants are minus 800 currently on FanDuel and the Dodgers plus 500. The Dodgers started today and Tony Gonsolin has been really, really good this year, especially as of late. He's 4-1 overall with a 3-0-0 ERA. The interesting thing for that game is it's the San Diego Padres and Vince Velasquez, who had been pretty good early this year, but I would give the favor, and rightfully so, the Dodgers over two bucks at home tonight with Tony Gonsolin on the bump. When you look to the other game taking place up north in Northern California, in San Francisco, the Giants hosting the D-backs. Who's on the bump today, Ariel, for the D-backs against the Giants? Oh, it's Madison Bumgardner. It's old Mad Bum against his former team where he was his most prolific oh, winning three boy. World Series championships with the D-backs. Is this a Mad Bum revenge spot? Can he keep the Giants from inching even that much closer to clinching the National League West? Or does he say, you know what, my old team? This is a, way, a great season in your franchise's history. Here you go. Here's a couple of softballs today going up against Scott Casimir on the other side for the San Francisco Giants. So the Giants minus 205, the Dodgers minus 215. I love the money line parlay, making those odds a lot shorter in this game. So I think this is great stuff. It's a very interesting race. If the Giants win, that means they would hold a two-game lead with only one series left, three games left in the regular season for Major League Baseball. The Giants' opponent for that final series, the San Diego Padres, who are struggling mightily and might be swept by the Dodgers in L.A. tonight. The Dodgers' final opponent, the Milwaukee Brewers, who have already clinched the National League Central, pretty much hold firmly that second spot in the National League wildcard bracket and will host the NLDS against most likely the Atlanta Braves. So how motivated is Milwaukee for that final series against the L.A. Dodgers? But that 
is what is on the table tonight as we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here. The third and final hour, happy hour of the morning after, and we start with our West Coast Wake Up. You are listening on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. She's Ariel Epstein. I am Ben Stevens. And Ariel, it is going to be incredibly exciting tonight out on the West Coast. The Dodgers hosting the Padres, minus 215 on the money line. The Giants hosting the D-backs, minus 205 as the home favorites up in the Bay. I have a play for this game between the Dodgers and the Padres also. However, I do believe that looking at this Bumgarner game up against the Giants, it's a sticky mm. situation that I'd stay away from. You're right. There's really no way to predict how Bumgarner's going to feel. Is he? Did he leave on bad terms, and does he want to stop the Giants from potentially winning this division? Or does he care so much about the organization that he's not really going to care to win the game? Those are, I'd imagine he would want something to, I, I think he'd want to pitch well, but I don't know. You never know when a team's eliminated what he really feels. I don't think he'd want his season to end on a bad note by looking bad. That's why I'm staying away. I'd rather bet on the Dodgers game. We're going to go through our Major League Baseball picks coming up next, so I'll make sure to give out that play. But what I will say is that six out of the eight second-half games have been decided by one to three runs between the Dodgers and the Padres. They've been close, Mm. and both these past two games have also been decided by one to three runs. Last night was crazy. 11-9 to was the final score. The Dodgers end up winning. However, the Padres, they're rivals with the Dodgers this year and last year. I wouldn't be surprised if the Padres say, hey, we want you to fight in that wild card spot. We're out of this. We want to make sure that this is our final series that we really care about. I can't imagine that they would want to hurt the the Giants. I would think the Padres have it more out for the Dodgers to give the Dodgers a tough run, considering the Dodgers beat them last year in the playoffs. That's why I would say this game's going to mean a lot to the Padres. I don't think they're going to care so much about facing the Giants, even though it is a divisional rival, Ben. The San Diego Padres last stand tonight in Los Angeles. That sounds, Ariel, to me like a Jack Weinberger cap, but I like the idea, the motivation there for San Diego tonight as opposed to Arizona, who don't forget, even with Mad Bum on the bump, 20-60 and this year, the worst road record in all of Major League Baseball. Yeah, you can't make your hitters hit. I mean, I guess Madison Bumgarner can. He is one of the better pitching hitters. Coming up next, we are going to talk some Major League Baseball picks. Stay on the grid. It's Sirius XM Channel 204. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after on Sports Grid. It is Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. We're going to go to the Major League Baseball board where we do have a couple of afternoon games today. Yet when we talk Ooh. Major League Baseball, we talk about the props. Let's get to our segment of K Props. Huh? Huh? There it is. I know which K-prop I think you're targeting, Ben, because you alluded to it earlier when Sam Baniadovich came on. The Boston Red Sox are on the road at the Baltimore Orioles, and the Orioles are, of course, home dogs. 
You mentioned the name Nick Pavetta. You mentioned it to Sammy P and his prop. His prop. No, you don't like it? Six and a half. You're shaking your head. No, I, you mentioned Pavetta. I haven't looked at it. I don't know if I don't oh, like it. God. I haven't looked at it. So I'll, I'll, I'll learn from you okay, here. Okay, I'll, I'll mention it because I've got some notes on this. So Nick Pavetta is starting today for the Boston Red Sox, who are heavily favored on the road at Camden Yards. The Red Sox already lost the first game of this series, which makes me think the Red Sox shouldn't lose the second and third games. They already won the second game, and I know that's a really public way of thinking. Pavetta is a righty, and the Baltimore Orioles not only have the fifth highest carry rate in baseball at just under 25%, they have the fourth highest K rate against right-handed pitchers. The Orioles K rate has even gone up in the last 30 days to 26%. Nick Pavetta has faced the Baltimore Orioles four times this year and has hit the over of six and a half on his strikeout prop in two out of those four games. Against teams that have a top 10 K rate against righties, Pavetta is striking out at just under six strikeouts per game. This prop's a little high for me, and that's why I'm going to stay away from it. However, there are different ways that you could probably bet this market. The problem is with Pavetta that scares me about him is that he's either really hot or really cold. For example, his games against the Orioles, his strikeouts, 7, 2, 8, 3. You're either going to hit this or you're really not going to hit it, Ben. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty scary. I was going to say maybe even a player performance double and go under that number at 6, maybe 5, and a Red Sox win because the Sox are a minus 225 road favorite against the worst home team in baseball in the Baltimore Orioles. But knowing those numbers with Nick Pavetta and the trend, at least against the O's, he either goes over or he goes way under. So even just taking off a strikeout or two doesn't seem to be all that profitable. The only reason I brought it up with Sammy P is because he wanted no part of baseball talk on this fine Thursday. So that's what I wanted to know who do you if he like had today? anything Who are you targeting in, in the K-Prop market? Are you ready? Another yeah. American, Le uh, American League East game between the Toronto Blue Jays and the New York Yankees. Now, I have to be very transparent. I was doing my college football and NFL handicapping this morning and just was getting around to doing the Major League Baseball portion of our show. And of course, I targeted Robbie Ray. And I know the number is inflated. I know it's eight and a half, but it's plus money the over at plus 136. So I think it might be worth a sprinkle against the New York Yankees. A huge, huge game with so much on the line. If the Blue Jays can win today, they will be tied with the Yankees in the standings in the American League wildcard race. What exactly happens around them dictates who might be in in the wild card at the moment in those two spots in the American League but this would be a huge game and a huge rubber match for the Blue Jays to take this series against their divisional foes in the New York Yankees it is also huge for Robbie Ray to cement although the odds dictated at minus 600 right now his claim for the American League Cy Young against the New York Yankees who the contender Garrett Cole yesterday did not fare very well giving up five earned runs to the Toronto Blue Jays in that game in a loss for the Yankees just one day ago. So I look to Robbie Ray and that strikeout prop of eight and a half. But here's why I say I'm being transparent. This is why, kids, you don't procrastinate with your homework because the <laughs> server that I use, oldfangraphs.com, which is great when it comes to all the metrics you can need across Major League Baseball, what I use for my strikeout rates and all that good stuff, it has gone down. The server is not working no! right now. So I couldn't see where the Yankees were in the last two weeks against lefties. They do rank in the top 10 all year long in strikeout rate against right or left-handed pitching at nearly 24%. So that's good, but maybe has it come down in the last two weeks? I'm not sure, and you need to take that recency bias in New York K-Pro. Okay, I give me the last, the last month. two weeks. 
Last two weeks, the only thing that scares me about last two weeks, which I do look at too, just sometimes you're only like right. one rotation through. So at least if you get through True. the full 30 days, but they both work for sure, especially in these last two weeks of the regular season. The Yankees have the 11th highest strikeout rate, striking out at just under 24% when facing uh, in the last 30 days. Okay, that's cool with me. That's still pretty much the same number. Now, Robbie Ray, again, it's inflated. It's eight and a half. It's plus money to the over at plus 136. The under has heavy juice at minus 174. Robbie Ray has made two starts against the Bronx Bombers this year, both of those coming in the first two months of this Major League Baseball season. In those two starts against the Yanks, he had a combined eight strikeouts. Not good, not even over this number in two starts that he has today for a strikeout prop. But Robbie Ray has been so much better since then. He has gone over this number just twice in his last five starts, but five times in his last seven starts, meaning that the three starts prior to this five-start span in September, he went over this number with numbers like 10 strikeouts, 11 strikeouts, and even 14 strikeouts in a single game for Robbie Ray. So with the plus money, it entices me worth a sprinkle in a huge, huge game for the Yankees against the Blue Jays today. I'm not going with a K-prop in this game. What I am going to do is take something, a, a very contrarian approach, actually, and take the over in the first five innings. Corey Kluber's on the mound for the Yankees. This is more of a knock on Kluber than it is on the leading AL Cy Young candidate in Robbie Ray. Kluber, in both his road starts since coming off the IL, both of them went over the total with five or more runs. The first five is at four and a half. Four out of six games in the second half have gone over four and a half in the first five, including both of this series. I'm talking four out of the six games that the Yankees and Jays have played in the second half. They have gone over this total. These teams can hit. Now, Robbie Ray has a 5.59 ERA against the Yankees in his two starts. As you mentioned, May 27th being the last time that he faced them. It's a very different team, yet because of the bad history with Robbie Ray, in addition to Corey Kluber struggling on the road in his first two starts back off the IL. Toronto has been a top five offense, even a number one offense, especially in OPS at home. Toronto is a threat on the offensive side of the ball. Then you go to the Yankees, even though you only need one or two runs. Like I could see Corey Kluber giving up three, four runs in the first five innings and the Yankees scoring one run max two against Robbie Ray in the first five innings. That's all I really need is for the Yankees to hit one bomb and for Corey Kluber to give up four runs. And then I'm going to hit this over. I do like that over four and a half in the first five innings in a game that's extremely meaningful to both these teams, Ben. And you mentioned the Yankees maybe getting one home run against Robbie Ray. Yesterday's loss to the Blue Jays was the first time in 19 games the Yankees did not record a home run, a long ball against Toronto. So I was surprised, Ariel, you're not going try bet option two or three, whatever it is, on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Because last night, again, between the Yanks and the Blue Jays, it fell between one run, six to five, the Toronto Blue Jays winning that game. Yeah, I thought about it. Then I saw Corey Kluber pitching, and it just scared me off of anything being a close game. It has been a very profitable way to bet. Try bet two for Yankees and Jays. However, I like the first five over. I also like a team total over for the Dodgers and Padres game. The Dodgers are going up against the Padres starter Vince Velasquez, who has a 7.24 road ERA, going one and five straight up. The Dodgers team total is five, with the over at minus 114. You're either pushing or going over. That's That's my hunch. Only one start since being acquired by San Diego for Velasquez. Five out of the six teams he's faced since July have had a team total of five or more. I'm going with that over on the team total for the Los Angeles Dodgers tonight, Ben. I like it. I like it a lot. My only other area I looked was a K-prop for Kyle Gibson. I wanted to take an under because he hasn't been all that great 
with the Philadelphia Phillies, although his last three games, he has gone over the K prop of five and a half against the Braves. I thought we might be able to use some recency bias. The Braves, a top three strikeout rate in the last two weeks against righties. Well, Kyle Gibson's number five and a half, the under heavy juice, minus 182. So I'm staying away from that one. It's funny how much the last week of the season changes things. Usually I'm looking at the small games on the board, the games that people people don't really look at. Whereas this week, yeah. it's all about the games that mean something. I had no interest in capping strikeout props or just any kind of sides when it came to teams that it doesn't matter for anymore. Who cares? We're going to the games that matter. K-props do go to die in the playoffs, though, so I'll just throw the funeral now for my favorite prop for baseball. <laughs> Coming up next, we're going to talk props, and there's a season that's alive and well, and that is the NFL. Thursday Night Football tonight, and we'll break it down for you. Coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Morning after on Sports Grid, it is Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. We've got Thursday night football ahead of us tonight, and it's the Cincinnati Bengals as home favorites laying seven and a half points against the Jacksonville Jaguars. This total is at 46 and a half. Lots of props to look at. However, when it comes to a side in the game, Ben, how much do you like a side? I don't really love the number. I never thought I'd see the Bengals favored by seven and a half four weeks into this NFL season, but it makes sense. They're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars, so I guess it does check out. The Jags 0-3 against the spread so far this year. Not only just 0-3 overall, 0-3 against the spread and not covering by an average of almost 13 points per game. Meanwhile, Cincinnati is 2-1 and straight up and 2-1 and against the spread. So if I was looking to a side, of course, we're looking at the Cincinnati Bengals. I will fade Urban Meyer at every juncture of this season. I also look to a side total perspective, and what I mean by that is a team total for the Bengals, but it seems slightly inflated for a short week Thursday night game. It's at 27. The total overall for the game is 46.5. The Bengals team total itself is 27. The 46.5, by the way, is the highest total we have had for a short week Thursday night football game. The regular season opener between the Cowboys and the Bucks was higher than this, but in the three weeks we have had of short week Thursday night football games, the 46.5 is by far the largest total we've had. So I look to Cincy's team total. It's 27. They haven't gone over that number at all this year. They're only averaging about 22.7 points per game so far this season. Although the Jags scoring defense is the fifth worst in the NFL, allowing more than 30 points per game, it seems slightly inflated on the Bengals. So I don't really love a side because the number is a little bit too big, in my opinion, past that key number of seven on the Bengals. I don't really love the total. I don't really love the prop board tonight. I like a lot of props. There's a lot of edges and feelings that I have, but nothing that I'm like, yeah, that's a home run. Last week, Ariel, I was raving about the props board for the Panthers against the Houston Texans on Thursday night. There was five that I loved. Four of those five hit. The only one that didn't was Christian McCaffrey in his rushing plus receiving yards because he got injured in the second quarter. I don't feel the same way ahead of this Thursday night football game. 
It's hard for either of these teams to make you feel a certain way, aside for pessimistic. <laughs> I'm going to go with what I know, and I know that Jamar Chase has been Joe Burrow's favorite target. It doesn't surprise anyone, considering these two were teammates at LSU. You mentioned it in the commercial break. Jamar Chase has scored a touchdown in every game. What he's also done is had a big catch. This reminds me a lot of Justin Jefferson from last year with the Minnesota Vikings. Justin Jefferson was going over on these longest reception props for a real long time early in the year. The book has kind of caught up to us. Jamar Chase at 25 and a half for his longest reception. He has still gone over that number in all three games to start the season. In addition to looking at the other side, the Jacksonville Jaguars secondary has allowed for two receivers in each of their first three games of the year to go over this number of 25 and a half. I'm going with that over for Jamar Chase. And nonetheless, Jacksonville also allows the fifth most passing yards per game in the league. Go with that over 25 and a half yards for his longest reception. Probably one of my favorite ones of the night, Ben. I look at Jamar Chase in the same kind of way, Ariel. That connection, obviously, dating back to their days in Baton Rouge with the LSU Tigers, now in different Tiger stripes with the Cincinnati Bengals, has been so, so good. It's interesting to see that Jamar Chase and having some of his touchdowns this year because he has four touchdowns in three games. He has scored a touchdown in every game so far. His anytime touchdown prop on the FanDuel Sportsbook is, in fact, in minus money at minus 125, yet... He is doing this, Jamar Chase is, on not many receptions and not many targets throughout the first three weeks. I believe he only had two receptions in week number two. He only had four last week in week number three. I think it was just five in week number one. So this is a guy we're talking about with 11 catches and four of them are for touchdowns. But that is Jamar Chase's big playability. Thus, if I'm looking to Jamar Chase outside of an anytime touchdown prop, I'm looking to the over of that longest receiving of that longest reception as well, Ariel. I think that's pretty spot on. I don't love Joe Burrow's passing yards prop, like I mentioned earlier in the show. It's a 253 and a half. Now, although the Jags have the fifth worst passing defense in the NFL, Joe Burrow only won over this number of 253 in the hook back in week number one in an overtime game against the Minnesota Vikings. He's only thrown the ball 25 times per game, only 18 times last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I don't love that. But what I do love from a Cincinnati perspective or at least what I like from a Cincinnati perspective, is Joe Mixon in the ground game tonight. Because I think that might be where Zach Taylor and the Bengals offense targets this Jacksonville defense. They're giving up about 116 yards per game on the ground. That's not terrible in the NFL so far this year, about middle of the pack, but teams are running the football a lot against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Nearly 34 rushing attempts per game. The third most rushing attempts against so far throughout the first three weeks of this NFL season. So I think the Bengals will go with that kind of game script tonight and trust Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon's rushing attempts prop tonight is 20 and a half. He has only gone over this number once. That was back in week number one when he had 29 rushing attempts against the Vikings. But the other two weeks, 20 in week number two, 18 a week ago. So I think... Joe Mixon can go over this 20 and a half tonight. He's averaging 22.3 rushing attempts per game so far this year. I love when the average is over the prop and knowing how often teams have been targeting that Jacksonville rush defense this year, nearly 34 rushing attempts by the opposition so far this season. That's one of my favorite plays tonight. Joe Mixon to go over his rushing attempts prop of 20 and a half. I am going on the other side of you for the Joe Burrow prop. I do like the over for his passing yards at 253 and a half. We never really have different sides too often. The Jaguars have the fifth most passing yards allowed on defense, allowing just just over 302 passing yards per game. This went over against Minnesota. 
261. Minnesota's sixth most passing yards allowed, and that's who Joe Burrow faced when he went over this total. Plus, when you look at all three quarterbacks that Jacksonville faced this year, they have all gone over this total of 253.5 because the Jaguars' secondary just absolutely stinks. That's why I do like the Joe Burrow over for passing yards, even more so than looking at Trevor Lawrence's passing yards prop. But Trevor Lawrence could still pass the ball a lot because they forget that their running back, James Robinson, exists. James Robinson is a running back that I would probably target the under for rushing yards. Now, it's probably my like number three on the list when it comes to my top three bets of the night. Robinson for the under 53 and a half rushing yards is intriguing because when you look at the three running backs that they did face the Cincinnati Bengals, the Bengals faced Alvin Cook and he had over this prop of 61 rushing yards, however, 20 carries. Then you look to David Montgomery, the Bears running back. He went over this prop with 61 rushing yards, 20 carries. The last place, uh, the last team that they faced was Najee Harris with the Steelers. He only had 40 rushing yards and he had 14 carries. That's more of the ballpark of where I see James Robinson currently with the with the Jaguars. Unless Urban Meyer finally realized last week, hey, this guy's good. Then if you look at the first two weeks, they barely used them. I'm concerned yeah. about James Robinson's usage. I'm concerned because the Bengals have had a really good run defense. They have the eighth least rushing yards allowed this year, better than the Ravens, Steelers, and Los Angeles Rams. I'm going with the under on the rushing yards prop for James Robinson, Ben. Yeah, for whatever reason, Urban Meyer doesn't run James Robinson, but they do involve James Robinson in the passing attack. He has already been targeted 15 times this year in three games by his quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. So I actually look at James Robinson's total receptions tonight, and that prop is at three and a half. He has only gone over this number once. It was last week against the Arizona Cardinals when he had six receptions, but in week one and two, he had three receptions. So just falling a hook short of this number, again, I think it's an indication that Trevor Lawrence has targeted his guy in James Robinson. He was targeted six times last week. He was targeted six times week number one, only three times week number two. But if he's targeted five or six times again this week, I think James Robinson could go over that total receptions prop of three and a half. Speaking of Trevor Lawrence and that passing attack, what was interesting to me, Ariel, there's no passing attempts props up for either Joe Burrow or Trevor Lawrence for tonight's game on Thursday Night Football, currently on the FanDuel Sportsbook. I wish we had some on Trevor Lawrence because he's throwing the ball nearly 40 times per game. That's a great situation for a rookie quarterback who has a good running back. Yeah, let's have him do flea, fickers, flea flickers and roll out to his right and throw the football 40 times per game. Does that make sense? Not really. Urban, interesting decision. But again, we fade Urban Meyer at all costs. That prop not out. A prop that is Trevor Lawrence's interception prop tonight, minus 225. He has thrown seven interceptions this year because he throws the ball too darn much for a rookie quarterback. Joe Burrow's interception prop is plus 134 to the yes that he will throw an interception. Joe Burrow has thrown four interceptions in the last two weeks. Three against Chicago, one last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He only had five interceptions in 10 games in his rookie campaign a season ago in 2020. And the Jags only have one total interception as a defense so far this year. Again, a bottom five passing defense. So I know it's plus money. It makes sense it's plus money. Maybe a sprinkle there for Joe Burrow to throw a pick. But I think it's just insane to see minus 225 for Trevor Lawrence is interception prop tonight but again urban meyer's like oh rookie quarterback first three games in the nfl let's throw him 45 times a game again <laughs> game plan urban maybe let's sharpen that up a little bit 
Yeah, the Bengals' defense has looked good. I'm not going to overreact to it. Not going to say that the Bengals are a great defense and that they'll finish inside the top 10 by the end of the year. You look at who they faced, and they got burned by Minnesota, but last week against Pittsburgh, they excelled against the run because Pittsburgh can't run against anyone anyway, and they limited the Steelers to 10 points. This is still the Jaguars. When the games come up where it's the Ravens, when it's the Chiefs, when it's higher scoring teams, I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, for sure their defense is great, Cincinnati. It's more because this is the Jaguars. And you could look at the team total under for 19 on the Jaguars also. The Jaguars are up against a team like the Bengals, who have the sixth most points per game allowed, which are six least points per game allowed, 18 points per game allowed by the Bengals this year. Limited Pittsburgh to 10 points, like I said. Jacksonville won one and one on this number. They had 21 against the Texans week one. Then they had 19 against Arizona and 13 uh, against the Broncos. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by Mark Zinno, our college football analyst. We're going to give you some of his SEC plays of the week, in addition to some other games he might be targeting from outside of the conference. You're listening on SiriusXM Channel 204. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. entire show without my dogs barking because this has been a thing for the last year and a half since COVID that I'm stuck in my house and my dogs bark the entire show. It's fitting because we're going to be talking to our college football analyst Mark Zinno right now who's going to break down the SEC for us. Thanks for joining us this morning Mark. Always great to be with you guys. Love the uh, love the show and, and love dogs. <laughs> it's great. So let's see if you're going to pick some. This is Mark's SEC picks of the weekend. Love it. Hashtag mouth in the South. All right, Mark, where are you going this week in the SEC? Well, it wouldn't be me, and it certainly would be, wouldn't be your last show here if I didn't get to hammer Lane Kiffin all the way to the bank, as I've been telling you guys about for months right now. I mean, the biggest game of the week. Come on, Old Miss, Alabama, the stories, the rivals, everything is there. I had no hesitation whatsoever about jumping all over the total, even though we watched it post at 80, drop down to 77.5, but get some buyback towards 78.5, some places 79, depending on where you shop. But I'm not scared of this over at all, folks. They, they, this, both of these teams will get into the 40s. If they don't, this is one of the best defensive performances by both these teams all season long. Lane Kiffin has every desire to hang a 50-burger on Nick Saban in Tuscaloosa. I'll take the 14.5 points. I was giddy when it was 20, giddy at 18.5. I don't have a fear at 14.5. I'm on Ole Miss. I'm on the over. Let's go, Rebels. So, Mark, what do you like more? Ole Miss plus 14 and a half or the over of a total that hovers between 78 and a half or 79 and a half? There's no reason to be scared of the over. Honestly, everybody I talk to is like, oh my God, it's a big number. Guys, objectively, it's not that big of a number. These were two teams last year that topped 100 and barely did so breaking a sweat. I mean, 
there should be no reason why both these teams can't score at will, especially after what Florida did last week to Bama's defense. You know Lane Kiffin is on a bye. Watched that game closely and found every hole he could in Nick Saban's defense. The only way they don't get to this total, guys, if it is at a turnover slop fest, if they just make a ton of mistakes, you know, interceptions in the red zone, things that would take points off the board, but th there's no reason to believe that defense should be played in this game. Yes, Ole Miss defense has gotten better. Are they as good as Florida's? Probably not. And so from that standpoint, if Bama's able to get to 30 to them, they'll get to 40 against Ole Miss. I mean, look, again, just sit back, relax, get your popcorn, enjoy this shootout, enjoy all the great plays, the big touchdown passes, the long runs from Matt Corral, the long runs from Bryce Young. It's going to be one of the best football games of the year, and it won't disappoint from a total standpoint. Mark, there are two very large spreads in the SEC on the board. You listed one of them, which is by two touchdowns. This one is between Arkansas and Georgia, where Georgia's laying 18.5 points in Athens. However, you look to the total. You like the under 49. Why? I do. Well, look, this is a very unappetizing situation, guys. Either you lay 18.5 points against a top 10 team that's got a really good defense, or you bet against the eventual SEC slash national champion. Pick which one you want to do. I don't really have a good feeling for either. But I'll trust both of the defenses in these cases. And here's the thing for me, guys, with Georgia. Kirby Smart has done a lot this year with playing quarterback roulette. And when he gets in these games, and I've said this repeatedly, he gets super conservative. That's what he did against Clemson. He got super conservative. And even if JT Daniels plays the whole game, I don't foresee a scenario where Kirby Smart is willing to open this thing up and start going five wide receiver sets and chuck the ball over the field. That's just not where he is. Arkansas, on the other hand, really hasn't played anybody. I mean, Texas, they started Hudson Card. Newsflash, he's terrible. That's why he's on the bench, okay? And they get a backup quarterback in A&M. Is their defense really that good? We're not 100% sure yet. At least I'm not. Yes, it's very good, but I don't know if it's like, you know, eight points a game good the way they've played. So from that standpoint, I still believe Georgia will be able to score. I'm not comfortable laying the 18 and a half. I'm not going to bet against the eventual SEC slash national champion, but I know both these defenses will show up, and I'll take the under 49 here in this contest. Two top 10 scoring defenses so far this year in college football. Georgia, the best scoring defense in the country, allowing less than six points per game. Arkansas, right around 14 and a half. Last week, the Hogs, a huge win at Jerry World over Texas A&M, but they only put up 20 points. The reason why? A&M, the second best scoring defense in the country, right behind Georgia. So I think points might be at a premium in Athens on Saturday. Another great game on Saturday, Mark, in the SEC takes place in the SEC East. Florida and Kentucky. The Gators, a 7.5-point road favorite in that game. Any strong feeling on a side or a total of 55.5 between the Gators and the Wildcats? All right, so Kentucky breaks the streak two years ago, and Florida's just sort of owned them ever since. Yes, this is kind of personal for Kentucky. They want to win this thing, and they want to win it badly. I was really impressed with Florida last week in the way that they hung around and beat Tennessee pretty handily. I figured it was a letdown spot for them. Florida may be better than what we thought, maybe better than uh, what we're giving them credit for. Emory Jones starting to kind of, get, kind of get his legs underneath him. I do like Florida in this spot. Kentucky's going to try to run the ball and set the pace. But, you know, again, Florida is starting to prove that I think when we get to the cocktail party between Georgia and Florida at the end of this month, it may manifest itself the way Georgia and Arkansas is manifesting itself right now with a pair of teams that are really, really good, probably inside the top 10, if not inside the top 12 um, in the national rankings. I, I'll, I wouldn't I'm not going to do it, but I wouldn't be scared about laying the points of Florida this weekend. Ooh, okay. I like it. Now you also have something else here on the board, Maryland and the points against Iowa. 
I'm very torn Ooh. on this game because you would think Iowa is like going into College Park, even though they're a favorite, you would think Iowa's the better team. However, I've been hearing from so many people who I trust in the college football landscape that they really do think taking Maryland with the points and potentially on the money line could be a play. How much do you believe the Turks yeah. could pull the upset? Listen, um, you look at Iowa, and their best win over Iowa State doesn't look as glorious as it did a couple of weeks ago. That said, let's go back to week one, Ben. You and I were going over Michael Penix and what we thought Indiana was going to be able to do to Iowa week one. Guy turns the ball over. It's a mess. He hasn't played well. I mean, they have not faced an offense like Maryland this year. Maryland's been able to score at will. Uh, Talua, Talia, I can't still say his name. I'm not even trying anymore. Little two is what I call him. I know he gets upset at that, but he's got this offense humming. The one week it, they, they were shut down offensively was against Illinois when they only scored 20 points. But not only am I confident enough to Maryland to take the four points, I love the money line sprinkle, but here's the play, guys. Maryland team total, over 21 and a half on the FanDuel Sportsbook. They got to 20 on Illinois. They can get to 22 against Iowa at home Friday night under the lights. This is a huge spot for the Maryland Terrapins. Uh, their win total for the season, five and a half, guys. I mean, this is a spot where they sort of assert themselves. Should have been ranked this week in the top 25. For some reason, they left Clemson there because they're Clemson. But that's Maryland's spot within the next week. When they beat Iowa, they'll be a top 25 team. I love the Terps in this spot. I'm trusting little Tua. I'm trusting Mike's Loxley. And let's go, Terps. Ooh. All right, you ready, Mark? Talia Tungabailoa. Talia, Talia. 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 Go. That's not as yeah. bad as DJ. It's not as you. That's not as bad as DJ you. Yeah, oh, seriously. Yeah, uh, DJ Uyungongale. No. Yeah. That no, too. No, no. I can't do that. I can't you. do that. Mark, no. what I will say, what I will say, though, in that game between Maryland and Iowa, Iowa's defense is on a great streak right now. 26 straight games where the opponent has not scored more than 25 points. If Maryland is going to go over that team total of 21 and a half, it would get very close to that streak. They could still score 24 and stay under, and the streak would prevail by also going over their team total. But this will be very interesting against a yeah. very, very good Iowa defense. We shall see how that game turns out. You also have one more play on your card I'm pulling up here. It was a spot that jumped out to me out on the West Coast. Oregon, a 7.5, 8-point favorite on the road against Stanford. The Ducks, the number three team in the country, only laying just above a touchdown. How do you approach this game between Stanford and Oregon? Well, I, I look at the spot here, and I, I, I thought that Oregon would have a better offensive showing last week from the standpoint of they should have been able to boat race Arizona. Um, but I'm not taking that away from them. I, I think Oregon is still sort of a work in progress. I like what they were able to do. I don't like Stanford in this spot from the standpoint of Oregon can run the hell out of the ball and Stanford can't stop the run. And so from that standpoint, they should be able to control this game in and out. I know Stanford was able to hang and put up some points on UCLA last week, but I just look at this, this Oregon team right now, and I think they're clicking on all cylinders. I almost was tempted to take the total of 58, but there's just too much risk involved with Stanford being able to do their part in the total. I'm confident at this point, this is a 10-point win for Oregon. Because, again, I don't think the eight really matters at this point. You're not going to get a, a nine-point victory unless some quirky scoring happens. This is a double-digit win for Oregon in this spot. They keep on rolling. Uh, Stanford doesn't have the horses. They don't have the running game to keep up and slow the pace down on Oregon enough in this game. So from that standpoint, uh, I'll wait until my 
12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 8 o'clock wages are all done before I make the wager out on the Pac-12. Uh, even though it's a 3 o'clock game, I usually like to wait for the late, you know, the late start. But you get the afternoon start. Uh, so uh, I don't have any reservations on Oregon here. I think this is a great spot for them as they continue their surgence up to the top of the Pac-12. Mark Zinno from here on Sports Grid, our college football analyst. You can catch him on In Game Live every weekend. Mark, when it comes to uh, certain game, oh, excuse me, no, this is where I wanted to go. Tonight's game, Thursday night game, ACC matchup. It's Miami, and I'm just curious with this game in Miami, Virginia. People looking at it like, oh, Virginia could be a live dog in this situation. How much do you agree? A lot of uncertainty around Miami at quarterback, right? I mean, do we even mm-hmm. know if De'Ara King is playing at this time? They're, they're keeping it close to the vest. People I've talked to have said King's out for the year, and for some reason they are just holding it. The problem with the totals, again, I, I don't know. Can Miami do their part, right? I mean, you're asking Virginia to do all of the scoring here in this game. Miami without Miami with De'Ara King this year has been a liability offensively. What are they without him? I, you know me, guys. I always talk about you know data points and sample sets when when I'm looking at things. If I don't have a large enough data sample set and data point on Miami with a new quarterback to figure out what they are, there's just too many variables for me to put my money there. So from that standpoint, I'd stay off this game and see what happens. But I don't disagree that Virginia could be a live dog. Miami is bad, guys. I mean, they, we thought that they were going to be a lot better, but things have fallen apart pretty quickly. The wheels came off against Alabama. And it's almost like they never got back on. I mean, even Appalachian State pushed them for crying out loud. They have cats dropping from the stands. I mean, it's just it's a complete mess down in Coral Gables. So from that standpoint, you know, not a lot of faith in Miami. If you're going to put your money in the game, I'm with you. Take Virginia on the money line and see if you can get some good value. Mark, another ACC game is one of your final plays on your card for this weekend. Pitt laying three and a half points against Georgia Tech. Only about a minute left here. Why the faith in the Panthers? Love me some Kenny Pickett. Love it. Look, um, this is an offense that can score and score fast. A lot of people are pointing to the loss against Western Michigan. Guys, they scored 41 points in that game and held onto the ball for 19 minutes. They can throw. They have big play uh, ability. Georgia Tech is bad against teams that can throw and score a lot. Uh, I mean, they're 0-7 in their last seven against the spread for teams that average 36 points or more. Pittsburgh easily does that. This is a low number. For some reason, they're missing it. I think it's the win from Georgia Tech um, last week over over UNC and the way they played Clemson close to some some overvaluing on the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. I love Kenny, Kenny Pickett in this spot, and I love the Pitt Panthers tonight. Only one minute left, Mark. If you had to pick a best bet of the weekend, what would it be? I mean, come on. How can I not put my faith in the over in Ole Miss? I told you, death taxes and Ole Miss overs. It's it, it's where I am. I just Until I see a Lane Kiffin coach game this year that isn't going to hit the total, I'm going to keep riding it. And the one Team time total or total, total in the game? No, total in the game. Sorry, the, the <laughs> over. Uh, the one total that they didn't go over this year was week one when Lane Kiffin wasn't coaching because he had COVID. So from that standpoint, three weeks in a row, they're going over. I think a 50 burgers coming out of Old Miss. And listen, would it really shock you guys if Old Miss upset Alabama? I mean, maybe, yeah, it would be shocking, but I don't know if it's totally surprising. Well, that's because you've been riding this Ole Miss team, and I love that that was the bet that you gave out for your best bet. Mark Zeno, catch him on In Game Live every weekend here on the grid. Thanks for coming on with us, and good luck to your bets this weekend. Final segment up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
segment on the morning after on Sports Grid. Thanks for tuning in on Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. I've been dreading this moment. Oh, I don't want to do it for the last time, but it is time for our best bets of the day. Let's get to to bet to us part. Ben, you go first. Oh, 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 we messed that up. Oh, All right, oh, Ben, you go first. What? I'll go first. One final shimmy. It was a beautiful sight to see. My best bet of the day is a prop. In fact, the prop queen, you, Ariel Epstein, our graphics producer, Jesse, made this wonderful video to remember your time here oh, at no. SportsGrid. Let's get to to bet to us part. DeAndre Hopkins, the son's Mikhail Bridges. There is so much baggage that comes with Carson Wentz. Wait, say that again. D.D. Lamb. Garrett Cohen. Tom Brady. The Dodgers. I like Mike Davis. Alex Wood on the mound. Ben, are you buying or selling that the mice are gone? I'm selling it. Clayton Kershaw, Baker Mayfield, <laughs> Matt Stafford, and Aaron Rodgers. This girl's never touched a broom in her life, though, though, Joe. I was hey. gonna say, she might break out high. Ariel's mother's watching right now. This scene is the first time your daughter's ever handled a broom. Worldwide Wob, Rob Perez from FanDuel. Young, looking better than ever. As you can tell, it's just uh, pouring through me. So just remember, to bet to us. <laughs> oh my God, stop. Why'd you guys make me cry? That's not fair. Who's not fair. Minutes? Okay, we only have 30 seconds left. I absolutely love all of you. This is like the best team ever. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I just cried. I can't believe this. Okay, um, thank you everybody. And you guys are absolutely amazing. I think I just cursed on air almost. I stopped myself, sorry. And I'm really caught off guard. Jamar Chase over 25 and a half yards for his longest reception tonight. It's my yeah. best bet of the day. I already explained it earlier. Ben, I know you probably have a best bet too. Yeah, okay. rushing attempts, Joe Mixon over 20 and a half. This is your time, go ahead. <laughs> Okay, thanks for joining us here on the morning after. I have to go clean up my makeup. Love you all, and till bed to us.